You are at war. It's a real battle. It's a spiritual battle. Some of you are winning, but some of you are losing. And you're losing because you're fighting so poorly. You're losing because you don't have a defense, that you're using weapons that aren't working. Some of it is just poor strategy. In the Civil War, one of the most common battle formations was called the line formation. It was used because it was the greatest way to uh, deploy a lot of firepower. But I can tell you from personal experience, it was one of the dumbest military strategies in history. You see, several of our GFC pastors gathered together to battle each other at paintball. And we spent all day just fighting each other. And, and we decided towards the end to change things up. And one of the pastors said, let's play Civil War. And we said, okay. We divided into two teams equally. And then we faced each other. And we, we took turns just firing each other at, at point blank range until one side was entirely eliminated. And in this particular battle, I happened to be the last man standing on my team. And uh, it was against all odds. Uh, There's nothing like coming under fire from your Christian brothers who are just taking out all of their aggression on you at once. Now, this moment, one of the other pastors actually recorded this on their phone. And so we have this. Would anybody like to see what happened at the end, now I've got to warn some of you, the, the violent nature of this, this video is maybe not suitable for some of our younger audience, so be warned, okay? But this is what happened at Civil War, Pastors Against Pastors. Let's watch. He's going to get slaughtered. Put your gun down, Mikey. Take it like a man. No, it's not. Hell has no fury like five of your, your fellow pastors taking headshots and unleashing paintball at you at point blank range. Now, some of you ladies, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking this is just another reason why women outlive men, right? <laughs> now, you laugh, but some of you are fighting like this. You don't have strategy. You're using weapons that aren't accurate. And for some of you, you're not even defending yourself against a real enemy. You are at war. There is a real enemy. And the Bible says that he is the father of lies. He comes like a thief to come to steal, kill, and destroy. He's like a roaring lion looking for people to devour. And he's wanting to take you out. He's wanting to take you out through your mind, through your soul. He's coming after your marriage. He's coming after your family. And you got to be ready. And I see, I see a church family that just doesn't show up on Sundays to watch. But I see an army of God that the Lord wants to equip to be strong in battle, to fight for your souls, to fight for your marriage, to be on the front lines in our community, to advance the kingdom of God. You are an army of God. And our commander in chief, his name is Jesus, and he is victorious. We're on the winning side, and we got to wake up, and he's given us the armor of God, and it's time we armor up to be victorious in battle, amen? amen? So I'm so glad that you're here. Please turn with me in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. 
I'm so glad that you're here. All of our dads, happy Father's Day. You're here at the beginning of a great series that's not just for our dads. It's for every single one of you, brothers and sisters in Christ. You are all to have the armor of God and you know how to, need to know how to use your weapon. So every single week, we are going to focus on a specific piece of the armor of God. And you're going to have knowledge, revelation from the word of God to be stronger in battle, to be victorious in battle, to know how to defend yourself, to know how to be offensive so you can be successful and victorious in battle. Some of you just like you're, you're in battle right now and, and, and you're intimidated because you see the spiritual enemy. Some of you are under attack right now. But you see the enemy is so big. You see the problems you're facing so big. And your thoughts about God are so little. And it's time we have bigger thoughts, more faith in God, and then see our, our enemy in the, the reality. He's much smaller than our God. Amen? And the Bible tells us that. The Bible shows us this. Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus. And they are under spiritual attack. And some of them are weak in their faith. And some of you feel like that. You might, be, you might not even be walking after the Lord. And you're just getting bombarded by attack of the enemy. Some of you are new believers. And the enemy wants to take, that, take you out. Some of you are just stumbling through life. And you're, you're not being victorious in battle. And you're just going back and forth. And you're, you're falling under temptation. And you're, you're falling under adversity. And your strength is small. And so the word of God is for you today. Ephesians Chapter 6, starting in verse 10, the Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Be what? Look over to someone next to you and say, be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might, put on how much of the armor of God? The whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of of the devil. What does the word wiles mean? It simply means the schemes of the enemy, the strategies of the devil. For we wrestle against, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. How many of you know that we are living in an evil day? And having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayers and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that, I, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So if you are going to be victorious in battle, you need to take up the whole armor of God. You are not to take up the armor of God so you can run away. But you are to take up the whole armor of God so you can stand up. 
You are not designed to retreat in battle. You are not to run away from the enemy. In fact, the armor of God that you have is mainly in front. It's in front of you. It covers your front side because you're not meant to turn around. You're not meant to retreat, but to stand, to hold your ground spiritually, to stand strong and firm. And he says, of all the armor of God, he says, above, the Bible says, above all else, take up the shield of faith. Take up the shield of faith. When you think of a shield, you may think of maybe a smaller shield, the circular shield that Captain America holds up with the star spangled banner and it's, he can fling it. That, that's, not the, that's not the impression that this church in Ephesus would have had. They would have understood in the first century the great Roman Empire and the shields that they had were huge. In fact, the, the same word for shield, it was a very similar word used for a door. And so this shield would have been very large and it would have been used to cover most of their body. So it would protect them from the vital organs, the, the heart and the lungs. And it would meant to protect them from the darts of the enemy, the arrows of the enemy. They increased, the enemy back then, they would increase their, their, the, the, the effectiveness of the weapon of an arrow. They wouldn't just fling arrows, but they would dip them in oil or tar, and they would light them on fire. And so as a defense, they would use these, these shields, and they would cover them with leather, and they would douse them in water so it could extinguish any kind of fiery arrows from the enemy. And so Paul is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit saying, man, you got to know the enemy. The way he's coming after you is through flaming arrows. This is biblical. In Psalm 7 verse 13, it says, he has prepared his deadly weapons. He makes ready his flaming arrows. So one of the number one ways that your spiritual enemy will come after you is by unleashing flaming arrows, fiery darts. And that's why, above all else, you need to take up the shield of faith because the enemy wants to unleash these arrows. And when arrows are coming from multiple directions, from a lot of places, it creates confusion, it creates chaos, and if an arrow gets lodged in you, then it can create infection, it can create pain, it can actually, even as the Word of God says, it is a deadly weapon. It's meant to penetrate, to torment your soul. Satan is an intelligent being, and you got to know how he fights. In fact, the author Sun Tzu of the Art of War, it's a military classic book. He writes, we must know the enemy. If you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself but do not know the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. It's important that you know both yourself, your identity, and you know your enemy. And you know how the enemy fights. You know how the enemy attacks. You know how the enemy tempts you. And so the enemy will use these fiery darts, these arrows. And I want to give you six ways that these arrows are meant to distract you, to create confusion, especially in your mind and in your soul. 
the first way an arrow will come against you is, is an arrow is anything that would, would get you to disobey God. You were designed as a child of God to love God with all of your heart and your soul and your strength. In fact, Jesus, when asked what was the greatest commandment, he echoed uh, Deuteronomy 6, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to obey him. We just finished our series on the promises of God. Many of these promises are contingent. They're conditional upon our obedience. And so if the enemy can distract us, if he can tempt us to be disobedient to God, his commands, his character, then we remove ourselves from the protection and blessing and favor of God. And we're, a, we're more vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. And so the enemy would try to get you, like, to, to, to tempt you, that you can't trust God, that you can't obey God, that you should do your own thing, your own way, that, that God doesn't really love you, that you shouldn't love him. And in fact, that's kind of the second arrow, symbolic of blasphemous thoughts, that God is not real. He doesn't really exist. He's not really close to you. He doesn't love you. He's not, he's not for you. He's not good. He's not faithful if he if he is, then why would he allow the attacks? Why would he allow the, the trials and the suffering that you face? Another fiery arrow, your critical and hateful thoughts about you and about other people. Jesus said to not only love God, but to love your neighbor as yourself. And you are to love yourself and to love your neighbors, to have healthy thoughts about your identity as a child of God as brothers and sisters in Christ, but one of the greatest ways the enemy would cause division in our church is through thoughts about other people that they can't be trusted, that you couldn't, you shouldn't forgive, that to allow bitter feelings to come into your heart that can take root. And that's how the enemy fights. He wants to bring division in your small group. He wants to bring division in your family. He wants to bring division in our church family. It's one of his arrows. Jesus commanded, my command is this in John 15, verse 12, love each other as I have loved you. We are to love each other, amen. Another arrow is thoughts, temptations of wrath, revenge, despair, gossip, drunkenness, lust, as I was praying over this message, I was asking the Holy Spirit, maybe what are, what are some of the, the arrows that are taking people out, maybe in our own church. And I just felt burdened to pray and, and resist and that, that there are arrows of envy that the enemy is trying to launch at some of you to penetrate your flesh and your heart. Envy and jealousy are demonic and they're so damaging. It's meant not... To, it's caused you to be tempted not to be content in, in what you have and what God has provided for you. God as a provider, but rather always wanting more. Always maybe jealous or envious of someone else's position, place of power, a possession, and you get consumed by it. And you want it so bad and it begins to cause a veil and you don't see things clearly. And it can distract you and it can be very harmful to your spiritual walk with Christ and ineffective in battle. Another fiery arrow are doubts. The enemy wants you to doubt the inspiration and authority of the word of God. He wants you to doubt 
what Jesus did on the cross is enough to save you. Another arrow or sudden fears, worries, anxieties, and even panic attacks to cause you to, to focus more on the problems rather than who God is. And so the enemy will try to attack you with these arrows. These arrows are meant to destroy you, to distract you from what God has called you to do. And to illustrate this, this truth, I need three volunteers that would say, I, I, I need three volunteers that will be my enemies to fight me, all right? It's preferably dads. So I have three dads brave enough to, uh, we got one, need two more, come to the front. Two, very good. Corin is volunteering her husband, Mike. Sesh, come on up. All right, so we're going to equip you with a Nerf gun. Please join me on stage. Just give a big hand for all of our dads as they come up on stage, please. And you are going to be like me, all right? And some of you right now, you're either an unbeliever and you don't know how to defend yourself or you're new in your faith or some of you don't adequately know how to use a shield of faith. And, and, and maybe you, you, you only depend upon getting fed spiritually when you come to church or, or reading what someone else posts on social media about a spiritual truth or a verse. And as a result, uh, maybe your, your shield is, is, is something that is uh, paper thin. And your shield, you think that your limited knowledge of the word of God or, or hearsay and what others believe. And then when the attack comes, then what you have, guys, if you would face me, uh, yeah, right here, just kind of make a line. And uh, when I counted, when we count to three, I want you to fire your weapon at me. Leave three in the chamber, please. But go ahead and fire three, all right? So let's count. Uh, to three, and they're going to fire, all right? And, and again, you're, you're, some of you, paper-thin shield, you think this is enough to defend yourself. All right, so let's count together. One, two, three. Okay, did you save three in the chamber? All right, all right. It felt like all of them came at once. So, uh. But some of you, that's what it's like. Was this very effective? Not at all, right? But some of us, we think that, and we're taking fire from the enemy, and it's taking us out. And we're not growing spiritually. We're not victorious in any kind of battle. But the result is God has made a shield available to defend against all the flaming arrows of the enemy. But by faith, it's up to us to see this shield and to take it up by faith. It doesn't do any good just standing there in the corner of a room, right? We've got to take that shield up, and when by faith, we've got to use it. So in the moment we're tempted to sin, in the moment that we are tempted to talk critically about another believer in Christ, when we're tempted to have negative thoughts, we need to take up that shield and by faith say no. So let's, let's do it again. Let's count to three, and then you fire at me one more time, all right? One, two, three. Much more effective, right? Let's give our guys a big hand. Thank you, dads, for your help. Appreciate it. But this is how important it is to hold up a shield of faith that will be able to deflect. The shield in war is the first line of offense. It defends you. It guards the vulnerable parts, right? It's meant to, to, to extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. 
But some of us, we need to use this shield of faith. We're in battle, and we, every day we need to think, all right, I need to have, it's a new day. There's a, there might be a new battle, and so I need to armor up. And so how, by faith, the key is this is the shield of what? The shield of what? It's faith. Without faith, we can't please God. It's your act of faith that pleases God according to Scripture. Hebrews talks about this. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, teaches us, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. The reality is we are in a battle. And those fiery darts are coming after your mind. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10.4, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the war. On the contrary, they have defined power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So by the faith of God, every temptation, every wrong thought that's contrary to the character of God, that's contrary to the word of God, if we know the word of God by faith, we can quote it. And that's where faith comes from, hearing and hearing by the word of God. But here's the reality as well. You're not meant to fight this battle alone. You're part of an army. You're part of the family of God. And when the Romans fought, they fought side by side. They were shields up. In fact, one of the specific strategies they used that was very effective in defense was called the turtle formation. They would get side by side, and when they would raise up their shields, and then the people in the middle, the warriors, they would raise up the shield on top, and it became an impenetrable uh, defense against any onslaught of the enemy. And so the reality is, this needs to be a shields-up moment for our church family. This is why it's so important to belong to a fellowship. Some of you are isolated in your faith, and you're getting taken out because you were alone, and you were not designed to be alone in your walk with the Lord. You were meant to, to depend upon the strength of your brothers and sisters that, who can have your, cover your backside, to be in the foxhole trench with. And not just come on Sundays, but this is why it's so important to belong to a small group. So you can be encouraged, so you can be vulnerable, so you can share your weaknesses, so you can confess when you struggle, when you sin. You can lift each other up and encourage each other up. And this is how we defend. This is how we protect ourselves. And so I want you to encourage you and I want to speak to the, to the fight that's inside of you to defend yourself, to protect your mind, to protect your marriage. But you must each take responsibility and so much of it has to do with the word of God. Again, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. Are you correctly handling the word of God? Do you know it to be truth? Do you value it? And so when, when you, it's your faith that you activate that pleases God. So here's an action plan. I want to encourage you every day, preferably in the morning, to read the word of God, to spend time with the Lord, to have a strategy Maybe you're reading through the Bible in a, in a year or you're just reading three chapters every single day. Maybe just making it a goal this summer to read through the entire New Testament. This month focusing on the Gospel of John or in Matthew. Asking the Holy Spirit to reveal the character of God through Jesus. Pay attention to how he lives. Pay attention to what he's commanded so that you can read and obey. 
obey Scripture. This is applying it. You're going to grow strong when you apply God's word to your everyday life. So much of the scripture can be practical, but you've got to obey it. And as you obey it, as you understand it and know it, you're going to grow stronger spiritually. You're going to grow stronger and you're ready for battle. Third, allow the Holy Spirit to sanctify or to cleanse your mind, to teach you obedience. This happens, yes, it salvation, there is a freedom, there's a, a forgiveness, a salvation occurs, but you're not just one and done every day. You are to continue to grow, to become cleansed, to get closer to the Lord, to grow stronger and more mature in your faith. Next, you are to resist the devil. The Bible says in James chapter 4, 7, if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. Resist means to repeal, to not agree with. So you don't receive his thoughts and his temptations in your mind. When he attacks your character, when he attacks your identity, you hold up that shield of faith. And say, no, my, the Bible says that I'm a child of God. I belong to his. I don't belong to this world. When the enemy tries to get you to tempt you to sin, you say, no, God has set me free from strongholds. I'm going to walk in purity. I'm going to obey the commands because I know it's right for my life. We're going to quote the word of God. Some of us, this paper-thin faith that we have is, is because of we're not committing God's word. We're not hiding God's word in our heart that we can stand strong to the Lord. So when we hide God's word, when we make it a priority to quote the word of God, we'll be like Jesus who when he was in the desert and he was tempted three different times, Jesus said, it is written. Each time he quoted the word of God as a defense. We are to focus on overcoming the world and Satan, according to 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, that we are overcomers. In this world, there will be attack, there will be trials, but we are to take heart that we can overcome the world through God who is stronger in us than he that is in the world. Amen? This comes through fellowship and unity with other Christians. We need to make a commitment, a moment of declaration and an allegiance that we're going to fight for each other, to fight for the unity of our church, for our families. But faith is practical. It's not passive. We can't depend on other people. We need to each take responsibility. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the armor of God. I pray as a church family that we would not be hearers of the word, but we would be doers of the word. Lord, that you would help us to be strong in battle, that we wouldn't have to be worrying or weak when it comes to an attack of the enemy. But, Father, that we can understand that oftentimes that fight happens in our minds. And so help us to submit ourselves to your lordship, to your word. Help us to grow stronger in our love for you and our relationship with you and with each other. Help us to be encouraged by each other's testimonies, Father. In Jesus' name we pray.